Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds and End. We're getting ready for the mid-month February edition here. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Good evening. We're uh, hitting the Saturday because we didn't want to interfere with people's Super Bowl plans. Having to, you know, sit down and watch a podcast afterwards. Might, might You might be tired out from the Super Bowl, you know? So we're trying to be thoughtful here and, <laughs> and give it to you on a Saturday. Although... You probably won't get it until Sunday. <laughs> so anyway, here we go. Let's uh, go to the Super Bowl. And uh, I know, I know, Dave, that uh, you, you're uh, you're more into, I think, uh, tennis than you would be uh, uh, football. Would is that would be accurate? I'm football challenge. Yeah, but are you you're tennis savvy, right? Yeah, we're big tennis okay. people. Yeah. Good. All right, everybody has their sport. But anyway, uh, Super Bowl indicator. We've heard about that, blah, blah, blah. Well, what is it? Well, it's a fun thing to talk about, but it's not considered a valid tool for investing. It's kind of a superstition-based prediction theory, and some adhere to it based on coincidental outcomes. You know, like it has been right, you know, quite a few times in the past, but it doesn't mean that it is um, a valid statistical-based uh, thing. So, um, but in the spirit of fun here, uh, if the NFC uh, win, that's bullish. And if the AFC win, that's bearish. That's historically how it goes, if I've got that right. So obviously the uh, 49ers are NFC and Kansas City is AFC. Um, again, we don't know who will win. Um, I hear banter both ways. I think the AFC division is ahead in overall Super Bowl wins historically, something like 27 to 25 or something, if I have my numbers right. But anyway, um, it's it's just it's just fun. But um, move to Vegas, obviously, in the Allegiant, Allegiant Stadium. So um, they're bringing a lot of events there, big teams, big money. Um, you know, the casinos used to make it uh, more on the table games back in the day. And uh, then it increased to, you know, clubs and restaurants and things. And now it seems to be big league teams and special events like Formula One and or Super Bowl now and stuff like that. So half a million people expected to descend on the city or have already arrived. And uh, obviously lots of Super Bowls, sponsors so you can look up the uh, companies that are sponsoring and um, you know kind of see if there's any traction on any of those companies next week after after this if it's widely watched and commercials are good you know so that's the fun stuff right the commercials and things like that anyway here's the uh friday that's february 9th chart I just wanted to show you that we didn't have major economic numbers, except we had the annual CPV, CPI revisions, and that actually did pop the market up um, right away because it was revived favorably in the sense that the Fed is, uh, you know, still likely to cut rates this year, but uh, you know, also maybe in keeping with kind of some of the narrative too. So I noticed the CME uh, FedWatch tool did pop up a little bit for the May meeting of a probability in increase of a cut there. 
Uh, I think the CPI revisions did contribute to that a little bit because the needle moved on that uh, predictor. Um, so we popped up and then we pulled back. So you got to watch that slope pre-market. That's very important because of this. If you have been up significantly because of a catalyst and because of the processing that's necessary to kind of figure out what does this all mean and you know, oh, well, we'll may as well sell sell the premium right away and we'll think about it later. You know, things get knocked down, but but that, that doesn't mean they're going to be down to stay. Many people see this and they automatically get bearish. And I look at it the other way. If you popped up like that, more than likely you're going to re-challenge it. It did take a while. It was midday here where it finally got re-challenged. But it it you know it did go back up there, and I see this more often than the other way around, where it would continue down. And then the next thing to note is, we almost filled the gap. Now, we like to look for for a gap fill, so it still opened with a bit of a premium, and it could have gone and and filled it, but it didn't. It started moving higher. So consider the direction that we break out out from the open area, consider where we've been pre-market, what are the catalysts? And people may have missed it kind of because, you know, wasn't big numbers expected, wasn't like a huge jobs report or wasn't like an FOMC meeting. It was just the annual CPI revisions. All right, anyway, we ended up moving up nicely. Here's the 15 minute chart of the week. The other thing that I want to point out is, you know, we had a move on Friday, we pulled back on Monday, we went sideways on Tuesday, and we broke out of that and kind of launched and cleared the Friday high. You should have been able to capture, there's 15, 20, uh, 30, an hour here. You should have been able to capture some of that move based on the context. Again, Push yourself back from your desk. Make sure you understand the big picture and what's been happening in context. Don't stick your nose so close to the screen that you are just looking at the noise within this 15-minute bar and miss the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest, <laughs> however that saying goes. Right? So um, that was one, one thing that uh, stands out to me. And then we went sideways. And now look at the next day. We traded inside that range from the previous day, very, very tight, tight range. And then Friday, we break out from that. So you've got to be mindful that if we've gotten really tight and consolidated and it's kind of a pause and rest and reflect and, well, how, you know, battle between the bulls and the bears, you know, look how far we've come. Well, should we go higher? Should we put more money to work? Should we take profits? You know, nobody knows what to do. So you kind of just sit there, flop around like a wet dish rag. It's the breakouts from that state of being in the next session that can really reward you, whether you break break down from there and you're able to utilize your shorts or whether you break up and you're able to utilize some long. So so Friday was a nice rally and um, it came on the on the back of that nice solid sideways rest rest day okay here's the uh spider daily so you can just uh 
get some context of, you know, well, I mean, by the way, we talked about this on the, uh, on this week's uh, YouTube broadcast. We see, you, we had a, we had an inside day, you know, inside the range of the previous day. So there's Friday, then Monday was an inside day. Tuesday was an inside day. Wednesday was the breakout day. Thursday was an inside day and Friday was the breakout day. And especially gets powerful after uh, two inside days. Okay, I know that was the week before, but if you look at it on a daily context only, even though we've gone into a new week, we're still inside days, inside the range of the previous days. So keep that in mind. This can be very helpful for you structuring your trades, being able to capture relative strength breakouts, being able to look for gap fills, all kinds of things like that. Uh, Qs are also making new highs. We got the diamonds uh, kind of paused a little bit more up here. So again, it was uh, leaned a little bit more to the risk on because of the, mostly the Fab Five, Mag Seven, more the Fab Five than anything. Um, and we did have, you know, kind of a, a shunning a bit of the offensive stuff last couple of days here. So the diamonds um, not doing as well as the other two. And then we we got uh, sprung to life here Thursday and Friday was the IWM. So uh, this always comes out of the blue, kind of like, you know, kind of like oil sometimes. It's just all of a sudden one day it decides that it's on fire. And here you had uh, Russell do that for two days. Um, while Friday was a good day for, for the other two, SPY and Qs. But uh, Thursday wasn't so much. It was that inside day. And, and yet the Russell performed really well. So it's gotten back up to uh, a key level here. This is going to be important. If it can clear this, you might get some more follow through. And if it uh, resistance holds up, then you could see a, a pullback here, heading back towards 195. Here's the sector performances for Friday in the week. See technology performed the best on Friday, but also for the week, a very uh, substantially um, semiconductors and some of the other tech area. Communication services also in second spot there and a jostling for position on that for the week. Cyclical beat it out by the week, but not the day. But down at the bottom, look what you got. Defensive and energy and utilities and defensive and energy all down in the bottom here. Okay. So. Um, we just, you know, we've just not seen uh, this year so far a lot of love in the uh, defensive areas. Now, there has been some days when the market has gapped up. If you chose to use a defensive basket or kind of utilize those stocks, they still perform pretty well only because, the, you know, this this whole thing reflects the overnight returns as well for the week where on any given day, if the market's gapping up, sometimes they pay way too much for those stocks off the off the off the go and um you know defensive actually uh, performs well because it it plays the sort of from the open you know catch up game if if the fabulous 5 or magnificent 7 or the Qs or the the spy in general is on fire then sometimes it pulls 
the broad market with it. Sometimes it pulls the defensive stock. So from an open to closed perspective, you can still actually get really good for performance on the defensive list. So just keep that in mind. So here's sector performances for Friday and for the week, again, based on the sector ETFs, not the broader market look. Um, and the standouts we see technology at 2.77 for the week, XLY discretionary at 1.5, and uh, IWM at 2.54 there. In the basement, cons uh, communications actually didn't do that well for the week here. The defensive stuff, staples and utilities were the worst. Yeah, staples was bad, utilities terrible. Now, what I, what I want to point out here is explanation a little bit. Is, so what is what is volatility for the week? Weekly volatility, that's um, how much it moves relative to the mean for the week. And this would be how much it moves relative to the mean for the month. Okay. And then you have betas and ATRs. Betas are as compared to the market, usually most calculated over one year. Um, so, you know, good comparison of, let's say, utilities. If the market was to go up 1%, utilities would, would go up a little bit more than half of 1%. If, you, if the market goes up 1%, consumer discretionary goes up 1.21%. So it's, um, it's as related to the market, where ATR, is a function of range so high minus low previous close minus low or uh high minus yeah high minus low high minus previous close or previous close minus low but whatever's the greater value and then you average it out over 14 days is the standard definition um so what you'll find is if you take like weekly volatility 0.6 times the price of diamonds you're going to probably come in a little bit less than an atr Remember, that's how much it can move on any given day, whereas a weekly volatility, it's gone up, down, up, down, up, down for the week. So usually you'll see that this calculation multiplied by the, the price of the ETF or stock, if you're using it, that is a bit less than the ATR. It can be, it can be greater, um, but you'll find it usually a bit less. So in most of these cases, I would say that it's the ATR is a greater value than that. So you so by using both, you can kind of create a framework of how much would you allow for diamonds next week based on what it's done the previous week, but how much would you allow allow on any given day? Those are two different things, but they can be used together. So just pointing that out. Map of the market for Friday. We've got uh, Nvidia obviously standing out. Google, Amazon, Tesla kind of coming back. It's had a pretty bad spell this year so far, bouncing back a bit. You see energy down, healthcare, consumer defensive getting beat up, Pepsi down a lot. Travel, some travel pulling back. Usually travel is stronger kind of in November through December and into January, starting, um, you know, first few weeks, people are booking more vacations. Now, you know, even spring break has probably already been booked and stuff. So remember that the market factors in everything that it knows or can anticipate. So a lot of times uh, these industries move ahead 
of when you would expect them to really be performing. So if most people are traveling over spring break, and the spring breaks are a bit staggered, but if most people are traveling, you know, say March and April, then um, these stocks run before that window, not at that window, right? Same thing could be true with some of the Super Bowl sponsors, you know, who's advertising, things like that, is they may have already run ahead of the Super Bowl, not, you know, like they're not going to run next week necessarily just because you saw them advertised. They may have already run. Uh, this is the for the week. You can see some of the telecom communication services really got beat up, but uh, Google obviously did pretty well. Disney did pretty well for the week, but um, you know, really a mixed bag there. Same thing in consumer defensive. All overall, it was down, but there you can see where it really got hit. And of course, the semiconductor is still doing pretty good. AMD is a funny one. I mean, sometimes it can really go on streaks and and. Uh, other times it can pull back so it's more lumpy than what we've seen with nvidia that's been a smoother performance actually uh paypal getting beat up versus american express rallying a lot here's that daily chart of nvidia right here you can see how smooth that's been walking up the upper bollinger band so this is high signal on a daily basis and that continues and a lot of people expect when they start to see a down day like we had on Thursday that it's automatically time for it to roll over. And no, certain have they, no sooner have they done their shorts that it, it rallies mm -hmm. again. <laughs> Seen that movie before. <laughs> All right, take it away on the calendar here, Dave. Yeah, so this week we have um, two more basically the themes for the week are inflation data and some housing data. So Tuesday, we have the core CPI number, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, so that's a key one. And then not much on Wednesday. Thursday, U.S. retail sales and some Fed speak. And uh, Friday is another big one, core PPI. So think of it as Tuesday and Friday, we get our inflation data and a little bit of housing data, building permits starts. So it's not like last, last week was just like all Fed speak every other day. But um, this week is a little bit lighter, just some just some inflation themes. Yeah. Well, Thursdays that's that's a very heavy schedule there, and um, some of that some of these might battle with the others. You know, like they are not all going to be completely uniform. Uh, so that might battle, and also home builder confidence comes in at uh, ten o'clock, where these come in at eight thirty here. So. And for earnings, we have a Cisco on Wednesday, and then Thursday we have Coinbase and DraftKings. So, okay. Okay. Um, some uh, food for thought here is um, we got the S and P 500 is that 5,000 threshold that we're at and getting through is um, you know it's been extremely important. Uh, we've seen it battle with that last week a little bit and um and, you know it can as we clear that it can be it can draw in people i mean you know some people have sat out this rally so far this year and they are getting kind of upset that they missed some pretty good performance and uh, you never know when they're gonna decide to i can't take it anymore i can't take it i gotta get in and and that could be <laughs> that could be the that could be the end um Normally, we go to lower volatility um, 
you know, May has historically been a very low volatility month. Um, and uh, and then sometimes it coincides uh, with we've just reached, a, you know, a peak in the market prior to that. And then, uh, you know, we sometimes have some bad starts to the summer. Other times we have good, a good summer. So it depends. Like we had a good summer last year, but we had the regional banking crisis before that, right? And the year before, we had a good summer too, but we had the war start for that in the Ukraine. So it is always seems to be, you know, how you arrive at the summer months to whether you're going to get that good rally or not, or you're going to have risk of a sell-off. You go all the way back to, what was that, um, 2007, you know, you had a really bad July just after we hit an all-time high in the market at that time. And, and also just after volatility dropped to about, six percent on the vix i think it was that low we're still right now oscillating between say 12 and 14. so i mean it's it's lower than it's been but still relatively high um a lot of retirees again they thought that that the pay they were more of them were coming back to work but you know we got now 2.7 million more retirees than predicted so if you think about the influence of of the baby boomers, the influence of that on the markets and purchasing and all the other things. And then also on the labor market, right? Chinese garage sale. For sale signs around the world on Chinese owned properties. A lot stems to, you know, what's going on in the correction in China regarding real estate. Evergrande is just kind of the tip of the iceberg um, there. We've seen auto loan delinquencies uh, have risen to the highest level since 2010. They're at 7.7% now, which is fairly high. And we see crazy stuff about people, you know, taking on new, buying new vehicles with very high uh, monthly payments and things. So it's like, I don't know, it, you know, history does repeat itself. It might look a little different than last time, but it can certainly come around again where Everybody's buying stuff at the worst time. <laughs> you never know. Super Bowl, uh, record seven million for a thirty-second ad. Uh, in-game advertising for Fox last year was six hundred million. Don't know what it'll be this year. That's just in-game advertising. There's lots of other advertising, pre-game and post-game, and all that, and that's only for Fox. So um, then over. 115 million viewers expected record ticket prices. Some of the ticket prices as high as $12,000. So it's a, a pretty big event. Now I want to go through um, a couple things here. Um, so looking at the VIX, as we mentioned, uh, you can see it's cycled back down to the low again. Looking at energy. Uh, we did have a bit of a rally in uh, the uh, price of crude. Let me blow that up a little bit more. So we got back, but we're still under that 200-day moving average. You know, that was a big contention point along with this resistance up here. So we've just tagged that. We're just underneath that. Um, so it is volatile. You know, we know that. Really hard to, you know, predict where, what's going to happen next. We see still a lot of consumption demand globally. I mean, we still have more work from home and, um, you know, with prices having still been fairly elevated at the pump through 
through a lot of this cycle, um, you know, people chose to cut back and and a lot of changes being made. So even with the wars going on and the global thing, um, you know, we're just not seeing that translate into um, a lot of buying. Now, one thing I'm happy to hear is that the strategic oil reserve, there has been buying for that. So we are repl replenishing some of that that was drained before. So that's a good news. Uh, always got worried that uh, when the prices did come down a bit, they didn't take steps to start replenishing. But I hear that's in process. So that's good. Uh, what else we got here? Let's take a look at the bonds. Our 10-year note, you can see that it pulled back a little bit from up here and that means that yields went up slightly and that again was that factoring that the economic reports were pretty robust no real indication that rates are going to get cut as soon as we'd like uh maybe not as many as we wanted data dependent blah 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 so rates did ease up a, a bit again and the bonds have been sliding let's look at our metals how's gold doing right now and it's just hanging in this channel here. Nothing going on. Look at our currency. How's the US dollar doing? We did uh, talk about this uh, breakout to the upside and we did have that on Monday. We, we popped up there and we've been now sideways in this new range. So it's staying elevated. That put a bit of pressure on the basic materials as you saw. They were down in the bottom three or four of the of the sectors for the week. So that's what's happening with the dollar. Um, now I want to point out um, that in stock odds, where you can go to um, you know, participate in the Learning Academy, stuff like that. Um, so I, some people might not be aware that if you do uh, get the advanced course for uh, advanced program, there's a lot of courses in there like Somebody was asking about the single stock trading course, and it's in there. Uh, but you have to go through the other courses in order for it to unlock the single stock trading course. So just remember that lots for you to consume in there. And um, we also have uh, the seasonality that we can talk about here. Plus, you have uh, lots of price vaults, gap bulletin. What happens when a stock gaps overnight? It's down in the morning. You want to know what the odds are for the day. You can type it in on demand. If you come to the end of the day, you want to know whether it's a good idea to hold your stock overnight or not on a probability basis. You can go to the overnight edge vault. And uh, there's all kinds of reports here for you as well. Always good to look at the streaks thing so you can find you know, stocks that have been moving directionally. There might be a, a really good if-then statement you can create along with seeing what the odds are for its upcoming performance. And we'll go to the seasonality almanac right now because Dave, we do have this week starting on Tuesday. Mid-month. Mid-month mid volatility. I mean, mid-month seasonality. Volatility, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I know something. So um, you can look at February, what's going to happen for mid-month seasonality. So it looks to be risk on. You can see more positive. There's 308 symbols behind the scenes here, and it's pulling some of the better opportunities here. So it looks a little bit risk on. 
And um, there are some, you know, risk on symbols in the, the cell side too, but there's more positive values by percent change than negative values. Let's just look at it based on what do we see here. So we've got two events this week. One of them is the mid-month seasonality starting on Tuesday. So it runs Tuesday through uh, Friday and into the Monday of the following week. Um, and then you have the third Friday, which is expiration also coming up. Actually, sorry, not into Monday because Monday's a holiday. That would bump over into Tuesday. So this is going to be a long weekend coming up as well. So that can play into something like this. That might be a reason why this third Friday does show up positively, but also your mid-month seasonality is, is bullish as well. So um, keep that in mind. What I'd like you to do as homework for yourselves, because we chose not to put it all in there um, today here as far as slides. So go to your calendar here. You have to choose February the 23rd, which means it's looking back because we haven't we haven't got to mid-month seasonality for February 24, so it's not there. So this is looking back to February 23 and prior to that, and it's saying you have all these things that you can look at here. Monday, if you want to look at days of the week or you want to look at the whole month, but the, the actual event that's coming up this week is mid-month seasonality, and then you can also go look at the third Friday, right? So look at the stocks and the ETFs. There's your ETFs. We got regional banking. Now that's the seasonality for it, but we do still have some concerns in regional banking. There's been some news recently. There's some other indications of mismanagement at a few banks. Uh, so we may get hit with another wave of concerns in regionals, but KRE normally would be performing well. EW Zebra, Brazilian, XLF Financials, Semiconductors, XLB, Basic Materials. That would mean the dollar would probably have to pull back a little bit. Russell, Russell could continue to build on last, last week. There's another Semiconductor SMH. And gold and silver, too, might pop up a little bit. So look at your ETFs, then look at your stocks and line up some ducks that way. Find some good longs, longs find some good shorts, and uh, see if you can create some if-then statements for it. And uh, then you're combining potentially the statistics with the technicals and also your observations use your indicators and have yourself a fabulous trading week and enjoy the super bowl tomorrow and the weekend with your family and friends and we'll catch you in the next one good luck